Baruch haba b'shem Adonai. Well, I wanted to take a moment and just camp out in Bava Batra 3b into 4a because there's this whole thing about Shemini that rearranges into Shemin Hashem when you look at the letters in Shemini, which is the name of the Torah portion this week. When you do two yods next to each other in Hebrew, that's an abbreviation or a way to write that this is how you say Hashem, like the Lord, the Tetragrammaton, the forward letter name of Hashem. The way that you can abbreviate it and say Hashem is you would put two yods, or you could put a Dalit and an apostrophe, or you can put a hey and an apostrophe. Those would all be ways to say Hashem without having to write, which you shouldn't really uh, be writing that anywhere. So hence why I'm telling you these things, the Yod Yod or the Dalit Pashri or the Hey Pashri. Those are ways to uh, write out the name of Hashem. So you have Shemin, which is the word for oil, which speaks of the Ruach HaKodesh and the Shekinah and all that wonderfulness. The Torah as well. The Torah is oil. The mitzvot are oil. The commandments is oil. It's anointing stuff. Mashiach is oil because Mashiach means anointed one. What do you anoint someone with? Oil. So, and that's Hashem. So Hashem and Hashem. The Ruach Hashem, the Torah of Hashem, the commandments of Hashem, the Mashiach of Hashem. Okay. So, how does that connect to Baba Batra 3, 4, and 4A? Or 3B and 4A? Well, let's read. Have a little story time. This is about Herod, who eventually became King Herod, but he started off as a slave. Yep, we're going to learn about his be humble beginnings. Humble beginnings. The Gemara elaborates on the episode involving Bava ben Buta. Herod was a slave in the house of the Hasmoneans. Remember the Hanukkah story? The Hasmoneans? Yeah. Herod was a slave in their household. Says, he set his eyes upon a certain young girl from the house of the Hasmoneans, because they were cute. One day, that man, Herod, heard a divine voice that said, any slave who rebels now will succeed. People want to say, oh, I heard God say, oh, I heard God say. Well, even Herod heard God say. And what did Herod do? He beheaded Yochanan. Yep. Remember the guy who immersed many people in repentance? Yep. That was King Herod. Let me uh, go ahead and check that. That would be uh, Luke chapter 9. Hang on, I'm in uh, crazy mode over here. Okay, click for chapter. Put everything back in normal order. <laughs> it's like you want interlinear? No, I don't want interlinear. Not now, anyway, because. All right, so Herod, 
The Tetrarch heard about all that was happening. He was perplexed. For some were saying that Yochanan had risen from the dead and others that Eliyahu had appeared and still others that a prophet of old has risen. I beheaded Yochanan, Herod said, but who is this man I hear such things about? And he kept trying to see Yeshua. That's Luke chapter nine, verse seven through nine. There's the confession. Herod beheaded Yochanan. Okay, so he heard a divine voice, but he also beheaded a prophet of Israel. So you might want to qualify people who are saying, oh, I heard God tell me da 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 da, because it's like, okay, well, King Herod also heard that too. And uh, yeah, that's what he did. So we got to be careful with hearing from God and stuff. But anyway, a divine voice literally called out to him which is even more emphatic because most of the time when we hear God talk to us, I'm pretty sure it's not a divine voice that breaks out in the middle and you can like hear an audible voice speaking. And if you have, I will not be jealous, but uh, you know, that's cool. Just don't go behead a prophet of Israel. Uh, well, you can't do that anyway because there are no prophets today, but anyway. Uh, any slave who rebels now will succeed. That's what the voice said. So what did he do? He rose up and killed all his masters, but spared that girl. When that girl saw that he wanted to marry her, she went up to the roof and raised her voice and said, whoever comes and says, I come from the house of the Hasmoneans is a slave. Since only that girl, i.e. I remained from them. And that girl fell from the roof to the ground and died. Wow. Whoever comes and says, I come from the house of the Hasmoneans is a slave since only that girl, i.e. I remain from them. So King Herod killed all the household of the Hasmoneans. The only people left from the household was this girl. So she's just like, okay, so I'm going to have a, a nun Hasmonean come try to marry me. And because of that, the only people left from the Hasmonean household is slaves. So I'm going to have to get married to a slave. I think not. So she jumped and fell and uh, died. Now I'm skipping a portion because there's disturbing stuff about honey and I don't have to, I don't want to deal with that on this podcast. So moving on, it says, Herod said to himself, who expounds the verse one from among your brothers shall set you shall set as king over you. Devarim seventeen fifteen. It says, as mentioning that he who is appointed as king must come from a Jewish family and cannot and cannot be an emancipated slave or convert. So he's reading Parsha Shoftim, and he's like, Man, who expounded on this verse? talking about a convert or a slave can't come and uh be and get freedom and come and be a king says it is the sages who expounded the verse in this matter insisting that a king must have jewish roots many people call yeshua king but they fail to realize he's a jew and that you can only be the jewish king and it's like if he's a Jewish king, then that means he's a king of Torah. 
and like not Christian and stuff. Interesting. But anyway, he then rose up and killed all the sages, but spared. This is like, I'm going to kill everybody, but I'm going to leave one. I'm going to take out the 99 for the sake of the one. So he killed all the Hasmonean household, left the girl. Now he kills all the sages and leaves one. Which sage did he leave? He left Bava ben Buta in order to take counsel with him. So in my little notes, I put, remember the crown of thorns? It says, Herod placed a garland made of porcupine hide on Bava ben Buta's head, which pricked his eyes out. One day, Herod came and sat before him without identifying himself and said, prophesy to me who poked your eyes out. No, that's not in there. But anyway, precedent, there it is. It's like, we're going to abuse you and then we want to ask you some questions. Anyway, so then identify himself and he came before him. He says, in order to test him, he, Herod, said, see, master, what this evil slave Herod is doing. Baba Ben Buta said to him, what should I do to him? Herod said to him, the master should curse him. Baba Ben Buta said to him, but it is written, do not curse the king, not even in your thoughts. Kohelet 10, 20. Herod said to him, he's not a king since he rules illegally. Baba Ben Buta said to him, and even if he were merely a rich man, I would not curse him as it is written. And do not curse a rich person in your bedchamber. Kohelet 10.20. Same verse. <laughs> Says, and even were he only a leader, I would not curse him as it is written. And you shall not curse a leader among your people. Shemot 2227. That's from Parsha Mishpatim. Herod said to him, that halakha stated with regard to a leader among your people, that is to fit a Jew who acts like a member of your people, i.e. in accordance with the Torah law. Did you catch that? The halakha regards to a leader of the people that is a Jew so now you got a Jew, you got Halakha, who acts as a member of your people. That's a member of the Jewish people. So a Jew who follows Halakha and acts like a member of the Jewish people. And it says, i.e., in accordance with Torah law. So I ask you, are you upholding Halakha, acting as a member of the Jewish people, and walking in accordance with Torah law. That's that's definition of a Jew. Anyway, and this is one who does not do the deeds of your people. So it's like, all that's true about a Jew and stuff that you're talking about, but this person here, he doesn't do that. So Baba Ben Buta said to him, nevertheless, I'm afraid of him. Herod said to him, there is nobody who will go and tell him since you and I are sitting here alone. Baba Ben Buta said to him, nevertheless, it is written, for a bird of the sky shall carry the sound 
and the wings which has which has or blah the bird of the for a bird of the sky shall carry the sound and that which has wings shall tell the matter kohelet 10:20 so kohelet 10:20 like ecclesiastes 10:20 he's already done three drops from that one verse about the dude I'm not going to curse this guy I'm not going to do anything horrible to him also partial mishpatim I'm going to do any of that so Herod said to him, I am he. Had I known the sages were so cautious, I would not have killed them. Now, what is that man's remedy? I.e., what can I do to repent for my sinful actions? Bava ben Buta said to him, He who extinguished the light of the world by killing the Torah sages, as it is written, for the mitzvah is a lamp and the Torah is light, Proverbs 6.23, shall go and occupy himself with the light of the world, the temple, as it says written with regard to the temple, all the nations shall flow unto it. Isaiah 2.2. The word for flow unto it is alluding to light. There are those who say that this is what he said to him. He who blinded the eye of the world, as it is said, or as it is written in reference to the sages, and if it be committed through the ignorance by the eyes of the congregation, Bami Bar 15, 24, should go and occupy himself with the eye of the world, the temple. As it is written, I will desecrate my temple, the pride of your strength, the delight of your eyes. So in other words... The repentance that you can make, O king, go occupy yourself with the very Torah that you snuffed out. And you who blinded the eye of the world, i.e. me, you you blinded me because I know it's you. I have Jedi abilities. Even if I can't see, I can see. So, uh, yeah, so you go occupy yourself with Torah. Go occupy yourself with temple worship. So I love this story because, number one, you can see the whole crown of thorns thing and that this Gentile mocking that goes on. But also you can see the steadfast and the reservedness of what it's like to be in Torah. You would think Baba Ben Buddha has superpowers over here because it's like maybe he can discern the voice of King Herod, but King Herod was playing all these games. And all Baba Ben Buta was doing was quoting Torah, keeping his mind stayed on Hashem and really showing and extending mercy. Like he could have just like retaliated, choked this guy out, you know, but it was like, no, no, not going to do it. He killed a bunch of sages. He killed the Asmoneans. He, he took the throne and, uh, you know, not my will, but your will be done, Hashem. And I, for some reason, I just love that because, you know, thinking about the light of Hashem, the light of Hashem is like so powerful, even in darkness. Like you got a guy over here who couldn't see because someone gouged his eyes out. 
the one who guys gouged his eyes out is going to come back to him very sly, very slick, and and seek wisdom from him. But yet, there's no guile. There's no reviling. It's just only Hashem's grace, only Hashem's mercy. And that is the oil of Hashem that that we've we've gouged Hashem's eyes out. You know, how many times in our, in our life have we done away with Torah and we've we've sinned? You know, we've said things we shouldn't say, we've done things we should have done. We didn't even, we thought things what we shouldn't have been thinking. Doing that, you know, is as if we've done it, because that's how powerful our thoughts are. Here's a novel idea. Let's use our thoughts for building the temple because that would be tantamount to building it. But anyway, I digress. The point is the oil of Hashem shows us the grace of Hashem. So amazing. What happens in Shemini is that we focus on the word of God and we're wronged. We're offended. We're we're depressed. We, we feel like a failure. We feel like, oh, gosh, there's no hope for me. If there was hope for King Herod, there, there uh, let me just tell you, there's hope for us. So, again, another good pick-me-up uh, coming out of the week of unleavened bread. <laughs> Pick-me-up funny because we can now eat hummets again. And so, you know, let's rise back up, basically. But let's rise back up with good yeast, you know? Like, take out the old hummets, as uh, Shaul would like to say. I think that's a beautiful verse to end with, so... Let's go to that and close out this particular podcast. It's probably the shortest podcast I've done quoting a source. But anyway, so we're going to go to Corinth chapter 5, and we're going to start with uh, verse 1. This is going to coincide with uh, Vayikra 20, verses 10 through 20, or 10 through 21. Let's go ahead and look at that real quick. Wow, this is Parsha Kedoshim. How about that? Talking about if a man commits adultery with another man's wife, the wife of his neighbor, which you're not supposed to covet. So the fact that you were actually able to attain her means that you not only coveted, but you also stole. And now you're committing adultery. Oh, it's like the Ten Commandments are like intertwined with one another. So like the Ten Commandments are one or something. Anyway, all the Torah is considered to be one commandment, so they're all unified. Basically, as a small example of what we just read. But anyway, going back, so there's a whole more to that, but Parsha Kedoshim is what Shaul is using as a source here, which I think is really cool. Shaul is teaching via the Torah portions to this congregation. But here's what he says He says, It is actually reported that there is sexual immorality among you and of a kind that is intolerable even among pagans even among the non-jewish people they don't even do this so i think that's interesting because he's like you're supposed to be converts and then y'all are doing stuff that even the pagans don't do that's crazy that someone has his father's wife, i.e. A, a man is sleeping with his mother. Then we not learn in Parsha Kedoshim that you're not allowed to do that. 
This is all about removing hummets from your house. <laughs> That's the title of this section. Get the old leaven out. So when you convert in Judaism, your even your immediate family members are not considered to be, you know, family members. It's literally like the 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 insight is brought down that, you know, if a brother and a sister immerse, they become such new creations that they technically could get married to one another. But the sages say, no, don't do that. That's awkward. Don't convert so you can marry your sister. That, I mean, that just sounds weird saying it. So just sages are, are smart. Let's listen to them. But anyway, same thing would go with the son and the mother, because it's like, who are my mother? Who are my brothers? Those who keep the commandments. You know, we get a whole new family, a whole new establishment. We can now call Abraham our father, basically is the point. So over here, Shaul's like, uh, what in the world are y'all doing? Pagans don't even do this. People who are not Torah observant don't even do this. And if you are and you are puffed up, is what he says, shouldn't you have mourned instead so that the one who did this deed might be removed from among you? For even though I am absent in the body, I am present in the spirit. I have already passed judgment on the one who has done this thing as though I were present. When you are gathered together in the name of Adonai Yeshua, I am with you in spirit. With the power of Adonai Yeshua, you are to turn such a fellow over to the Satan for destruction of his fleshly nature. I.e. treat him like the hummets that you burned up before you went into the Seder. So it says, so that his spirit might be saved in the day of Adonai Yeshua. Your boasting is not good. Don't you know that a little hummets leavens the whole batch of dough? So because you got this one incident going on over here and y'all are all excited about it because it's like, man, we're brand new. We're all converts. We can even marry our own family members. It's great. And it's like, Number one, you shouldn't be excited about that. Number two, pay attention to the Torah portions. Number three, um, because y'all are allowing this to go on, the rest of you are now affected by it. You need to get rid of the old hummets so you may be a new batch, just as you are unleavened. For Mashiach, our Pesach lamb, has been sacrificed. Therefore, let us celebrate the feast, not with old hummets, which is the hummets of malice, wickedness, but with unleavened bread, the matzah of sincerity and truth. So what I love about this whole thing is that the sincerity and the truth that we're attaining through Sephirah Omer, the counting of the Omer, going from barley to actual wheat, which will be Shabbat when we bring the two loaves, 11 loaves of Hashem to Hashem, you know, as a wave offering, that that's considered to be the new Hamets, not the old Hamets. The old Hamets was malice. It was wickedness. But now we have sincerity and truth. 
So we're rising in sincerity. We're rising in truth. And that's the new batch of dough that gets baked up into a loaf that bring that we bring as a first fruit to Hashem. But during the week of unleavened bread, we start out no no homets. Okay? Just just a flat plane, and then we, we add in the new harvest. So from the being born again, now we puff up in sincerity and truth with such a humility. And that's the point that we're supposed to rise up in. And so as we're in Parsha Shemini, we're looking at how do we rise in sincerity and truth? We take the natural and marry it to the supernatural, which the Torah totally teaches you how to do. This is why something seems so mundane as eating, but the very fact that we kosher eat everything, we're taking something natural and bringing it up to the supernatural. We, we took natural elements from, from the offering. We took like the animal kingdom, you know, the animals that we bring for the offerings. We take certain animals. Then we bring, you know, salt. We bring grain. We bring oil. We bring the wine libations. We bring our prayers and our speech, our broken hearts before Shem. And all those natural elements get turned into supernatural things and they fuse and they become one. And this is the oil of Hashem. This is the Shemin Hashem. And this is uh, cross-reference with Baba Batra 3B and 4A.